The lesson of today is called the Lordship of Christ. If you wanted to write this down, the lesson of today is called the Lordship of Christ in the workplace. Right? You remember last time we really kind of only only got into like an introduction of a theology of work. And we established that from the foundations of the world, God has commanded us to work in more than one sphere, right? Oftentimes, we often think as our nine-to-five job, we consider that our work, and then everything else is just, you know, the same ethic won't necessarily carry over to our marriage. The, The same ethic that we take to work won't necessarily carry over to our children, right? Or... Um, you know, or or our own work or in the church. And so when we think of work, usually we have a single mind to that which I do for a limited amount of time during the week, five days a week, uh, part-time, full-time, whatever your job may be, how, your source of income. And so we stated that from a biblical, God-centered word, worldview that uh, you will be judged not just on this, you know, this, uh, this the work that you do on a small scale, but uh, that the work you do that exists in every sphere of your life, with your with your children, your wife, your church, uh, whatever whatever um, whatever kind of whatever your circumstances are, uh, all of it is considered work, and you are to do it unto the Lord, right? And so today we're going to bring that into um, our our lesson today, and really try to apply how we are to work, right? We've already seen. Our work in Christ in Ephesians, as we've been doing practical theology, how we are to our, our work unto our wives, how how this relationship is to be lived, our work with our children, and so now we're going to see our work within uh, our daily labors of our nine to five, full time, part time, whatever your thing is. Uh, we're going to see how um, these ethics, the kingdom ethics, uh, permeate the sphere of how you make a living. And so today's lesson is called The Lordship of Christ in the Workplace. We're in Ephesians 6, 5 through 9. And we're just continuing our practical theology that we've been in here. And uh, I need a reader. I need a, la- I need a nice and loud reader um, to hit these verses for me. If anyone would like to. Keith? Nice and loud, Ephesians 6, 5 through 9. Okay, uh, slaves, be obedient to those who are your masters according to the flesh, with fear and trembling, in the sincerity of your heart, as to Christ, not by way of eye service as men pleasers, but as slaves of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart, with goodwill, render service as to the Lord, mm. not to men, knowing that whatever good thing each one does, this he will receive back from the Lord, whether slave or free. And masters, do the same things to them, and give give up threatening, knowing that both their master and yours is in heaven, and there is no partiality. Amen. Amen. Okay. So what we see taught in this section of Scripture are really timeless truths. Regarding the nature of work, as it concerns uh, as it concerns Christian slaves and Christian masters in in this context, in this context, but by wider application, uh, what we want to see today is how these truths still apply uh, to us even in our day. 
right? As it concerns our modern circumstances uh, regarding employer and employee. And so that's what we're going to uh, get through today. That's what we're going to try to seek to apply today. And so what we see here is, is, is really God's way of ordering and structuring society. And we've seen that in multiple relationships here. And that this idea of order, submission, and authority is not just used in the workplace, but it's, it's used in every, every realm uh, that God has uh, ordained. It's God's idea. It's the very wisdom uh, and the ordained means by which uh, God's creatures will experience stability. Right? A secure and, and, and steady consistency. They will experience harmony in a complementary fashion. And so as we have seen throughout the last couple of Sunday school lessons, God conducts order in the Christian life by establishing these two structures of, uh, of authority and submission. And he does this in virtually every relationship as we have seen, right? Every blood-bought believer is subject to the authority of Christ who is head over the church. Ephesians 1, 20-22. In the church, we, have mutuals, we are mutually subject to one another. And that's Ephesians 5, 21. Wives are to be submissive to their husbands' uh, headship and authority. Ephesians 5, 22. Children are to be submissive in their obedience to their parents' instruction and leadership. Ephesians 6, 1 through 4, and regardless of your occupation, whether slave or free, we are called to obey our masters or our employers, our managers or our bosses, right? And so God has spoken at great lengths about authority and order in the church. He does this for our good order, instruction, for our own harmony, right? Uh, But does this mean that within those roles, there is a kind of superiority or greater dignity with people who hold positions of authority? No, right? Amen. Amen. That was a question. That was a question. No, right? That God, God does not, uh, because you hold a position of authority like a husband, it doesn't mean you have more value. It doesn't mean you have more dignity, right? That we are equal as it, as it, as it, as, <clears throat> as it concerns, excuse me, as it concerns our, as it, as it concerns our value and our position and relationship to Christ. Uh, but God has put and built in our families order, instruction of authority and submission. And that's God's idea. It's supposed to work for our good. And this was established before the fall. So it's something that we can really love and be thankful to God. And so the relationship between Christ and his church, husband and wife, parent and child, master and slave, is one, uh, is one of service to one another, right? And ultimately, as we serve one another, uh, we are serving God and at the same time. And so we're going to go ahead and get in the text. Ephesians 5, Ephesians 6 verse 5 says this, Slaves, be obedient to those who are your masters according to the flesh with fear and trembling in the sincerity of your heart as to Christ. So be obedient to your masters according to the flesh. That word obedient is in the present tense which indicates that obedience is to be continual, right? Ongoing, without interruption or unnecessary hindrances. And as employees, our obedience is to have the same character and everything commanded to us with the exception of what? Sin, right? With, with the exception of uh, something immoral that our bosses might want us to do. And at times we'll have employers who are good to us, we're so thankful for those who reflect uh, that they are made in the image of God and they reflect God's 
nature and character, even though they might not even know it. Um, And at other times, we will have managers that don't even seem to care about us, that live godlessly. And how are we to obey the ones we enjoy less? What do you think? Same way. Same way, right? Let's look at this passage. Let's go to 1 Peter. If you would, go with me. And if someone could read that, that would be wonderful. 1 Peter 2, 18 through 20. You got it? Go ahead, brother. Servants, be submissive to your masters with all respect, not only to those who are good and gentle, but also to those who are unreasonable. For this man's favor, if for the sake of conscience toward God, a person bears up under sorrows and suffering unjustly. Mm. For what credit is there if, when you sin and are harshly treated, you endure it with patience? But if, when you do what is right and suffer for it, you patiently endure it, this finds favor with God. Isn't that incredible? So be, be submissive to your masters, or in our context, we're applying this to employers, bosses, managers, that we are to be submissive in all respects, and not only to those who are good and gentle, but also those who are unreasonable. And I looked up this word, this un, unreasonable, and it, it, this word is uh, skalias, and it's defined as crooked, perverse, and unfair. Even to those who are crooked, even to those who are perverse, and even to those who are unfair. It really puts it into, you know, gives you a vivid picture. And you understand that word unreasonable in the Greek, it's such a, it's, it's such a gross word. So unreasonable, it captures a little bit of it, but if you go in there and look at it, 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 it really can be challenging sometimes. And so as employees, we are, not to over, we are not to be overcome by evil, even though, right, we, they might cause something within us to rise up, right, even by their own uh, attitudes, their lack of care towards us and these things. We are not to be overcome by that evil, but we are to, come, we are to overcome evil uh, by good, right? And that is the biblical ethic, the biblical ethic in God's kingdom in every sphere of life. And so here's a question for you. In regards to our jobs and our time, how can we as employees get in trouble if we are not careful in the workplace? What causes us, what causes our employers to be mad at us? What are some examples? We don't do our jobs. We don't do our jobs. That's very broad. Mm-hmm. Amen. Not being on time? Amen. I know that, that gets a lot of people in trouble. Not being reliable. Uh, poor performance, like you were saying. Being sloppy. That's right. That's right. Wasting their time, not working as you've agreed to work. Um, uh, you, so maybe it's your character or misconduct, meaning inappropriate behavior. Um, complaining, you know. Um, wanting to take more time off than you've agreed to take off, you know, and so maybe abusing some of the privileges you've been given. But excellent work, good work, is the very thing that Christians should be good at and striving to be better at, right? We should always be trying to ex- to excel in our workplace as we are created, right? As it says in Ephesians 2.10, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works. And not just works in the church, right? Not just, not just good works in marriage, right? But even good works that your light would shine before men. And so this idea of work, it has to pervade and permeate every sphere of our lives. Our good works that are fitting, right? 
that are worthy of the calling. You know, that it says that we're supposed to uh, reflect the fact that we've had, that, this, that we've, under, we have, we've undergone this change. And uh, this is the work that we are to accomplish in every sphere of life. So by virtue of the gift of your salvation and the overflowing desire of your hearts to please God in all of life, Christians should become better workers because of what God has done inside of them, right? How we work and obey our masters and employers will be the evidence of our faithfulness to God. Let me know if you have any questions or if you've got anything. Yeah. I think we discussed this a while back about, you know, I know many Christians, they get hired and they got hired as an evangelist in the, in the workplace. Right. You know, like, you know, that wasn't in the job title. Mm-hmm. You know, I guess, how, how, would you ex- how would you explain to someone, like, just the balance in that? Yeah. You know? I think that, I, I think that, we have a bad understanding of work at that point. I'm actually getting to this. Um, actually, let me hold on. Let me hold off on that. I'm like, you're like two points ahead of me. <laughs> Look at the attitude, right? The attitude is this. Look at the text. With fear and trembling, right? Which means to serve with seriousness. Serve with sobriety. Be sober-minded as you work, Right, as you're reflecting the character, the nature of our invisible God, that He has called us to be image bearers, to fill the dry lands with the glory of God, to reflect His invisible qualities uh, of renewed, blood bought, spirit filled believers. Uh, this is to be our mindset. We are to. We have one goal in mind, though. We're working this out in different ways, with fear and trembling, with seriousness, with sobriety. As MacArthur says, it's not a frightful cowering, uh, but the but it's of the honor and respect that uh, respect that make a person anxious to please. Right? You're you're ready to please whenever they whenever they command you to do something, want you to do something. You're there. You're 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 willing. You have a great attitude. And then you see the commitment here, right? Verse 6, in the sincerity of your heart, or the in singleness of heart, which means whole heart devotion. Not hypocritical, but genuinely committed to your work, to your bosses, uh, despite how corrupt they are. That's very hard to do, and I believe that only believers can do that really well in a God-honoring way. And as, as you just said, the motivation for all of this at the end of this verse says, as to Christ. And I love texts like this because God wants to break the sacred secular divide. I don't, know if you, I don't know if you know what I'm saying when I say this, but we're very prone to build uh, this is sacred this is kind of secular, right? What we do in the church, it's very sacred. It's just, it's godly, right? But as soon as you get out into your workplace, the work you do is no longer sacred, right? It's no longer ministry, right? But God says that all of our work is ministry. And that word ministry means service, right? Like, it, like, like a deacon, a diaconate is part of this word, which means they're servant of the church, that they have agreed to bear a, a, a greater burden, right, with their time. And, and they, have, they, they wanted to put forth their effort to, uh, to the church with whatever needs, right? They're, they, they're here to be servants. And so th- to answer your question, it seems that it's very easy. Uh, it's very easy to go out and preach, it's very easy to go out and evangelize to the glory of God, but for some reason that doesn't always roll over to work, right? 
It doesn't always roll over to work to the glory of God because we, we tend to think that, you know, and this was the, this was the thing with, with the Catholic Church is that they didn't believe that, they believed that the priesthood was very, um, was very uh, sacred, right? And everything else was kind of secular and unclean in a sense, you know, even if you weren't part of the priesthood, you were just kind of doing the, you were, you really weren't doing God's work, you know, which is a terrible way to look at, look at things. But if you do your job as to the Lord, right? Because I believe we need that, we need to be reminded of that because oftentimes we, we tend to take our mind off of the Lord when we work, right? It's very easy to do it when we're evangelizing and preaching, but you have to remember that you have to do all the other things as to the Lord as well. Does that make sense? You know what I mean? And so sometimes we can do that very easily. This is sacred, and this really isn't. You know, this is spiritual, and this is very unspiritual, you know. Um, And so, but God says this, right? Whether you eat, that's sacred. Whether you drink, right? Or whatever you do, right? 1 Corinthians 10, 31, do all for the glory of God. And I think that's, 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 does that help you a little bit? Um, I know that I'm, I'm guilty of that, too. It's just, you know, the mundane work can put you in such a state as you, 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 your ethic doesn't carry over. You know, how you act in church doesn't necessarily carry over. You know, your, the same ethic won't carry over to all these different spheres of life. They might be cut short because of our attitude or because of our mindset, how we're thinking. Um, and so verse 6, it goes on. It says, not by way of eye service as men-pleasers. But as slaves of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart. And so the Christian who is faithful to God will not be unfaithful to their employer. Because Christians are ultimately working as to Christ, they will accomplish the work that they have agreed to do, right? That's the exchange that you have, that you've agreed to between your employer and you, that employers, they pay for work done. And you do work for the pay. And this is how you serve one another. And unlike the world, Christians don't need others to monitor them or check up on them as if we we only do work when the manager's looking, right? That we don't work by way of eye service is what it says here. That you're just, you know, that you're not necessarily doing any work. And then when your manager look at you, you know, you're, you're back on the job. Whatever job this is, I don't even know. Waxing a car? Is that car? You better be watching that car at all times. Um, even when the manager's looking at you, right? If you're only working at that point, you're, you only want the appearance, right, that you want to please them. But you don't want to do that from your heart. That's what it says here. By way of eye service, as men pleasers. And so you, it says, so your, your main motive for working is just when people are looking at you so that you can have the appearance that you want to please them. But we really don't because we're, we're only working to be seen, right? We're only, we're only working because we want to make a good impression of ourselves. Exactly. Exactly. Amen. Amen. And so this is our, here we have our second motivation to work. Our first was to obey as to Christ, and the second is to work as slaves of Christ, right? Work as if you were his employees, right, Cameron? Yes, I 
question. I have literally just went through this maybe 20 minutes. Yeah. Okay, so my executive boss called me yesterday, asked me to go in. I said yes. I went there and I found out the job he needed me to do was like way off. Mm. And I did not want to miss church. I did not want to miss study. I didn't want to miss a service. Uh, is that bad? I mean, I'm not in trouble or anything like that, but he was confused. He said that I canceled on him twice. Mm. But the information he informed me about was like way off and just incorrect. Yeah. So how do you do that as in uh, yeah. serving the job for I think that's tough. You have to you have to be careful. Yeah, yeah. I think it, I think you have to be wise. I think that it's okay if every now and then your boss might ask you to do something, um, and it was outside of the time frame that you agreed that you would work. You know, there could be some mercy in there. You know, but I think that you also have to make the line clear. You know, to your boss, to your em- employer. That this is this is what I this is what I agreed to. This is the work that I agreed to for this amount of time, this many days a week, and if if there's no other way, right? Uh, that that's these are my thoughts. Some of you guys might have different thoughts, but I do believe there's there's room for mercy, but there's also there's also a balance that you have to keep where you have to be pretty firm as well with the work that you agreed to do. Does everybody agree with that? Anybody have a different? Is that okay? Um, and so, and I like this, this verse right here, it says work as if, it says work as slaves of Christ in this verse here, as slaves of Christ doing the will of God from the heart. So not just uh, a slave of men as the, uh, this early context was, but now taking it over to our day and time, right? But we are employees of men, we have bosses over us, but it says don't work just as to them, right? But also be Work as if you are an employee of Christ. That changes the mindset, right? Not just someone in front of you, but someone ultimately and and infinitely over you. And to do this is to do the will of God from the heart, right? And so that's where we get in trouble if we're just working to please men. But as soon as we... As soon as we grasp this higher ethic of doing our work to the glory of God, it, not really mattering what this man believes and thinks and lives, this the, uh, the employer that is in front of us, uh, it will help us to keep a great attitude and a consistent work ethic, and uh, and and we will constantly be in a uh, an attitude of uh, optimism because of the hope we have in Christ. And uh, we won't be working out of any other motive. And verse 7 says this, With good will, render service as to the Lord and not to men. And so here Paul basically reinforces what he's just previously written, all right? And sums up the actions commanded, which were to obey. And not only that you should obey, but the manner in which you are to obey, right? Fear and trembling and the sincerity of your heart, not by way of eye service as men pleasers, but as slaves of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart. With good will, render service. So he's going to sum up all of these things, how you are to obey and the manner in which you are to obey. Uh, the way that you obey, the way you carry yourself and y- your character and conduct yourself, how you do that will be summed up in this one word, service. Render service. This is how 
this is what is acceptable, this is what is appropriate, uh, and this is, the, this is what is a, a, appropriate for us and how, how to work within our job. Yes, sir. just want to remind you of uh, Joshua's words. Choose you this day whom you will serve. Hmm. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Amen. But we are slaves one way or the other. Bond, sure. Christ, Paul called himself a bond servant of Christ. Mm-hmm. Slave. Sure. That's right. And and so he's talking here about being as a slave of Christ. That's right. Right? Mm-hmm. And we have to choose our, our master. That's right. That's right. No, I think that's right. We have to. We do have to make a daily choice to pick up our cross and deny ourselves. Right, daily. That's a good point. That's a good point. I think that every day it's it's so easy to give up that work ethic, and um, every day we have to make a we have to make a conscious choice to deny ourselves. I can't tell you how many times I have I've had I've been filled with such just so so ungodly thoughts about going to work. Uh, it's Monday. I think everyone has been guilty of that. It's you know what I'm saying. It's this. It's just exactly, exactly. For some of us, for some of us. Um, but you get it. You get you get you get the attitude. You get the you know. And I think that as as we wake up every day, those are things we have to deny and say. I want to do this for God's glory. I want to do this so that. He will be glorified so that men may see my good works and give thanks to the Father. You know? This has to do, though, with this American foolishness, foolish idea of freedom. Because there's only freedom in service. Hmm. Um, we're not free. We never have been. We were born into slavery. Christ has made us free in Him, mm-hmm. but we are His, and we must serve. One master or the other. Right. We don't have freedom. Right. But but free there is freedom in Christ. That's right. That's the freedom we have. Amen. Amen. That's right. What a what what a what it's 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 ironic. Is that the right word? I don't even know. But paradoxical. Paradoxical. Right. Exactly. That that your freedom is found in the slavery of Christ. <laughs> what? But it's true. You know. Uh, and and I think that. Um, there's another verse. There's another verse thing in First Corinthians that says that exact same thing, is that the slaves are you are the Lord's freedmen, you know. And I think that that speaks really just kind of about what you're talking about. And so all of our work, right? As we just noticed, uh, all of our work is service, and Christians should be the best at serving, right? Because they have the greatest example of service, right? Our lowly Lord Jesus. Uh, the Son of Man, Matthew twenty twenty eight said, The Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve, right? But to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. And so we are called to be imitators of him. We are called to serve. We are called uh, to model his life after him. He did all things to the glory of God. He perfectly fulfilled God's commandments. And this is a high aim, and only Christians can really do this as they are sustained and as um, Ephesians 5.18, do not be drunk with wine for this is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit. Uh, This is a Spirit-filled demand on this work. That's how we glorify God, and only Christians can do that right. And so we are to do this with goodwill, 
What do you think that means? Joy. With joy? Yeah, amen. Amen. Yeah. That's right. That's right. Without pitying ourselves, without feeling sorry. Amen. Amen. Woe is me. Yeah. You have a job. You should be grateful for that. Right? We don't deserve good jobs, but God in his providential love and the way that he cares for us offers these things for us in such a degree that he can say, if you don't provide for your family, you're worse than an unbeliever. God is he's that committed to giving you work. Right? There may be different seasons where, you know, that might be you're searching for jobs and that's okay, but the Lord is faithful to provide us those jobs ultimately. So much promise in that statement do not of the commandment, do not despise the day of small things. Hmm. Do not despise the day of small things. Sure. How can he entrust you with a lot if you can't be trustworthy in a little? Right. Amen. Amen. And so we're to do his will. Uh, we're to do this with goodwill. That's what the text says. With goodwill render service or with a great attitude as, as everyone was just saying, right? If we sum up all of those things with a good attitude, optimistically, I, I was just saying, with an eye to eternity. And why should we do this? Because it is rewarding as we go on to our next text this uh, uh, this verse 8, but we do all things for God's glory as we obediently live this life trusting in his promises. And so we, we do all these things because God will be glorified and by his promises we will be rewarded for these things. And verse 8, knowing, right? We render service knowing this. Knowing this knowing that whatever good thing each one does, this he will receive back from the Lord, whether slave or free. In other words, serve in this way because you know that God is a rewarder of your good deeds. And I like the emphasis of this, of this verse. Usually you have, you have a, a balance of you'll be judged for your, the good and the bad that you've done in the body, but I love the emphasis, knowing that whatever good thing each one does, this he will receive back. And it is on the good that we do, because God wants to fix our eyes. He wants to fix, uh, he wants to fix in our minds that truth as we work, uh, that God knows who you are, that God knows that it can be hard to labor under unreasonable bosses sometimes. He knows that this world is filled with evil, and he wants us to fix our eyes and our hearts on hope that transcends the muck and the mire of this world. And so he wants to get us on the good things that you do, knowing that, that our, hope just, our hope so far transcends those things. And I love this verse because it implies that God is keeping track so to speak, of all of our works with a desire to reward us. God wants to reward you for the good work that you do. God is absolutely, he's desirous to reward you. And he, he, we see this being so emphasized here. And we see the same truth and principle intimated uh, in another verse in regards to our works and our uh, uh, how we conduct ourselves in the church and the ministry being inside and outside of the church. Uh, in Hebrews 6, 9 through 12, let's go there. 
and Hebrews 6, and maybe I can get another brother to read this for me, whoever wants to read this, someone with a loud voice. You on there, K-Dub? Okay. Hebrews 6, 9 through 12. Though we speak in this way, yet in your days, beloved, we feel sure better things, things that belong to salvation. Mm. For God is not unjust so as to overlook your work and the love that you have shown for his name in serving the saints as you still do. And we desire each one of you to show the same earnestness, to have the full assurance of hope until the end, mm. so that you may not be sluggish, but imitators of those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. Amen. Amen. It's such an incredible that God is not... He's to say, he is not unjust so to forget your work and that which you do, whether it's inside the church or outside the church. By that same truth and principle, God wants, God wants to express his desire, right, uh, to reward us even in the workplace, as you can see here, that for your good deeds, knowing that you can trust and you can have assurance of eternal blessings that await you for your good work and for God's glory on the other side. Right. Even if you never see one ounce of recognition for your work. Right. Though you never get a pay raise or a bonus. God says on the other side, you have more than you can even think of because of the work that you do here on earth. He is faithful and just to remember your work. It's based on his character. Uh, The assurance of your rewards is based on the very character of God which shouldn't cause you to doubt in anything. Because God is faithful and God is just to reward you. Yes, brother. I was just going to point out that um, I know back in Nigeria, this, this verse right here resonates with a lot of the Christians in the church because it's the norm there. Sometimes you can work for months and not get your salary. Wow. Get wow. And so like verses like this would be the only thing that keeps you going, knowing that God would reward you in those moments. You know? so Amen. You can live this out working months, six months, no salary. Wow. Even working for the federal government. Wow. Wow, wow. Great example. Great great example of Christians. In England, you should get paid once a year at the end of the year. Interesting. You got put out and sometime in the middle of the year, you got nothing. Really? Oh, wow. You would be really testing your Christian character over there. (laughs) More strength today, Lord. I mean... Amen. Well, imagine, though, imagine if we lived and served with those mentalities, with a kingdom mindset every day. It, it, would, it would be earth-shaking. I mean, it would be groundbreaking uh, if, if these actually permeate. And some of you might do that. Some of you might actually live these things. I know that I fall uh, woefully short of living with this mindset uh, every day when I am in uh, my workplace, and constantly having this hope before me. I constantly forget it. Verse 9. Let's get back here to Ephesians. Oh, okay. Oh, good clarification. Okay. Verse 9. And masters, do the same things to them. That's an, incre- that's an incredible verse right there. Do the same things to them. Uh, and give up threatening, knowing that both their master and yours is in heaven, 
and there is no partiality with him. And so this last verse serves as an exhortation to Christian masters, and by extension to Christian employers, Christian bosses, Christian managers, whoever they might be. And here they are commanded to do the same things to their workers, right? Do the same things to their workers that their workers are commanded to do to them. Incredible that they're both commanded to serve, that they're both commanded to steward uh, their job, and the, the boss, the manager, is commanded to steward his authority, right? And God has given him that authority for order, for functional purposes, as we have seen, that as, as we can have harmony, as we can, have, uh, as, as we can live in a complementary fashion, which when each person, uh, the qualities that they're able to do are working together in order to accomplish something, uh, God has put this together, but it says that the the masters are to do the same things, the same faithfulness. They are to, they are commanded to serve in the same way with their authority as the workers are commanded to serve with their submissiveness. And so, not only are workers committed to employers for their good, but employers are to be are to be committed to their workers for their good. Right? Christian employers are commanded to render service as to the Lord. That makes a big difference, right? You can tell. You can tell. You can tell your Christian employers apart from uh, by the way that they serve if they know God. They will serve in a different way, or they should serve in a different way than the person who does not know God. One can do service as to the Lord. Yes, sir, sir. Oh, I think of just the great moment, the greatest leadership was shown when Christ washed the feet of the disciples. Amen. 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 Incredible. Christ is our example. He is, he is our, Christ is our example. We have the greatest example of this. Christians, they, they, they definitely have an advantage over the world. We have the greatest example of humility, and it's that Christ-likeness that we want to reflect in the world. And so Christian employers are commanded to render service as to the Lord to do the will of God from the heart, to reflect Christ's likeness in everything that they do. And because this is true, it will result, right, in just treatment, as it says here, and give up threatening, right? It says um, this, the idea behind this word, give up threatening, uh, it, it means to loosen your grip, uh, it, it, it means to it means to ease up, as if uh, as if you were to you were to ease up on the reins of any kind of ruling that is overbearing on your employees, right? Or in our context, the slaves. It would uh, you you weren't supposed to rule in such a way that was overbearing on these people, and he's commanding them that the the kingdom ethic in this work is Christ-likeness, which is not overbearing. It's not domineering, right? You don't lord it over them, bosses and employees or masters. The same ethic you see in pastors, though it applies to them in a different way, but you see the same thing, that, they, that, that we are not called to be uh, lording it over people, to be so domineering and overbearing as to become a burden to the people of God, right? 
And uh, MacArthur says this, I really like it. He says, a master or an employer is to use their authority as to the Lord, just as workers are to submit to authority as to the Lord. Both of these people are working as to the Lord, and Christ-likeness should be evident uh, in their lives. And so employers and managers are not just to throw their weight around just because they are in a position of authority. Uh, They are not to be verbally and physically abusive, uh, which can definitely happen. Um, I know that even in jobs that I've worked at, I've had bosses and managers and, and employers who have been physically and verbally abusive. And it's definitely it's a, a wicked thing. But it's something, uh, you know, to, to some degree, you can have people who just don't care about you. The ones who are, are unreasonable, like that word we just saw, it means corrupt. Those managers who are perverse don't really care about you. We are called to obey them, even the ones we don't even enjoy, the ones who we just really don't even like. Um, it's, uh, we're called to love them, to uh, not be overcome by that evil, not to break character because of that evil, but to overcome that evil with good, to bring that kingdom ethic into every sphere uh, so that the gospel uh, might be shared with the people that are closest to us and are a little circle of influence, whatever that might be, you know, with you. Any questions? Okay. Wonderful. And we're almost finished up here. Just a couple more things. Word scolios. Scolios. Yeah. Where we get uh, scoliosis of the spine. Curvature of the spine. Uh, I'm not sure. I would need to do some research on it. They sound They sound similar. They do sound similar. The Greek word and the English word sound similar. Yeah, that's, in- that's interesting. You, yeah, you, you could be onto something on that. Um, so God has given. Did you swipe your mic by chance? No. Well, I just got the one they gave to me. They handed it no, to no, me. No, no, yeah. Um, uh, we were hearing some popping and buzzing. Oh, so you want me to, like, swipe it? No, no, no. I was asking if you did. Oh, no. Okay. Oh, yeah, no. I don't think so. Okay. Um, so managers, employers. Uh, bosses are not to be physically. This is a this is a Christian ethic. You're not going to see this, and 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 you you'll you'll see these things happening in an unChristian uh, uh, with unChristian boss and things like that. That will probably happen to you. Did you have a question? Yeah, talking about verbal. Uh, yeah. Abuse. Uh, so my uh, one of the executive directors that I work for, he's like my uh, main like a director, I can say. Uh, he's called he's called me names. Hmm. Uh, how do I respect that guy? Like, how do I go to work every day knowing that I have to work with him every single day? And he's literally, if I can say this, he's like the laziest boss I've ever had in my whole life. Yeah. And he gives me a list and he says, this is what we're going to do. And when I check the list, it's like what I've done. So how do I respect him and honor him at the same time? Because I have no choice but to work for him. Anybody want to answer that? Go listen to the tape us. Yeah. Just what we got to be doing earlier. Your your work isn't to him anyway. Mm. So you shouldn't be looking for some validation in, into what he says, but, but to the Lord. 
I would say that's a test from God to see how you respond to it. Yeah. Will you respond in a way that glorifies Jesus or one that satisfies your flesh? Yeah. yeah. Amen. And, and the example we got from Jesus was like a sheep led to the slaughter, he did not open his mouth. Right. But uh, uh, but on that, you don't want to carry that necessarily, like, you know, you don't want to be physically being abused in your workplace, you know what I'm saying? And you're as a sheep led to slaughter, you know. Um, but, but no, 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 but you know what I'm saying? There, there's a, right. So, yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. So, so there is a, there's definitely a line, right? We're not, we're, we're not called to stay at a place where, um, where, where we're being beaten and things like that. If you have those rights, if you have those rights, which, and so, so, um, in your job, you, you, if you're being hindered from glorifying God in your job, and it's constantly a, you're, 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 you're just sorrowing on a daily level uh, about, and just being beaten down by the same person in such a way, you know, there's a time where you have to walk away from a job like that. If it's, if it's keeping you, you know, people who run businesses like that, they should go out of business. You know what I'm saying? If they, if they're, if they have such a perverse work ethic, nobody wants to work for them, you know, they should feel the effects of that. And, uh, and I think that you could kindly go up to them and let them know that, that, uh, that what you're saying is, is hurtful, you know, that you could, yeah, brother. And actually what Chris and I have found is saying, I'll tell them, I'll go mention it to someone else that just sure. joins it. It doesn't seem like it's doing it in isolation. That's right. And there's no accountability. Exactly. Yeah, if there's another, if there's another manager or. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, exactly. I think there's there there are steps you can take. I was gonna say, um, I don't know if you have an HR department, but that's, that's helped me because I'm usually the only female, the youngest one, and the only minority in the room in my job field. So I've had to have those type of talks many times after it didn't right. work one on one. Right. But so I wouldn't lose my job. There are companies with whole cultures of uh, the whole, like UPS is a good example. Whole culture is where the management is taught and they only keep managers who bring the absolute most out of the people um, and they demand more. And they're, they're, um, that's the whole culture. And you're not going to fight it. You're not going to change it. That's who they are, and you're either going to uh, just submit and let them call you nasty things and talk about your mother right to your face, or you're going to get out, okay? And I had a friend who was a, very few people ever retired from UPS as, as a drivers and stuff, but the Lord provided him a route that was way far away, the outskirts, um, so he didn't have to be back, and you know, the Lord provided for him. And he was a Christian, and, and he took it. But if you ever meet anybody that retired from UPS, you take you met a man who could take a lot of verbal abuse, a lot of verbal abuse, and not ever strike back. Because the whole thing about UPS is they want you to strike back so they can get you out the door and then get somebody else. So you you but so you have to you have to um, you have to kind of count the cost on something like that. 
and see what you're able to do under, you know, if you're able to under some of those verbal abuses and tell them, even though, um, even, even though you don't talk to me the way you should, I'm still going to love you and serve you in the name, in the name of the Lord, you know? And so if you can do that, I say you should stay. But if, if, but if you're so, if you're, if you're, so grieved and sorrowed down and it's affecting the way you serve God and worship God, then, um, you know, we're sup- we, are, we are supposed to obey even to unreasonable people as we just saw in First Peter. So, yeah, that last verse in First Peter Landon says, if you, but if when you do what is right and suffer for it, that's right. endure it and find favor with it. Amen. Amen. Patiently enduring those afflictions finds favor with God. Great verse. Uh, last thing. We'll get out of here. Um, why are employ- employers and employees called to serve one another in the way that reflects Christ's likeness? Um, because they are both under the authority of Almighty God. Uh, the servant to the master, the employer to the employee, right? Not only does the slave have a master, but the master has a master, Right? They both have a master. God will treat one image bearer as he does another image bearer, right? God will not show partiality with anyone. That's what it, so, that's what it says right here, that there's no partiality with God. He has no favorites, right? God is both their master. Uh, he is both of their masters and makes them, and I, and I love that, that God is both of their masters as Christians, and he makes them fellow slaves of himself, Right? That's who they are, fellow servants of God. And so it doesn't matter what position you hold on earth. Ultimately, all will bow the knee in every sphere of existence and acknowledge the supremacy of God in heaven. That's where we will all stand. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's go. Let's go to uh, worship. Thank you.